me being the upstart that I am, I join here halfway through the year, and I'm already asking to do the fall from water. So, um, we're looking uh, through Luke's go- uh, gospel at the moment. So, what I want to do is look at John's gospel, uh, particularly John chapter 21. John chapter 21. <coughs> Just give you context. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is risen from the dead. He has appeared to his disciples a few times. And now he is going to appear to his disciples at the Sea of Galilee. Um, he's going to see them when they're actually fishing. They don't catch any fish, okay? But when uh, they know it's the Lord, they go to see him. And the Lord Jesus Christ has already prepared them for some breakfast. That is where we are going to start off in verse uh, 12. Thank you so much. Oh, I should say, Daniel warned me that he likes to know what version of the Bible he's, uh, he's actually, I'm actually reading from, so I'm reading from a new American Standard Bible, if it's, if it's slightly different. So... I'm going to hit that. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll lean in when I have a point to make. Okay. Um, John chapter 21, start at verse 12. Jesus said to the disciples, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Now Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus would manifest to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said again to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you know, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to grid yourselves and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he, that's Peter, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciples would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? 
suppose that's a bit of a lesson in accurate reading of the Bible, really, as well. Verse 24, this is, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things. He's John writing about himself now and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Now that will suffice for the time being. Um, one of the reasons that's made me look at these chapters really again is the fact that we're looking at Luke and we're looking at Gospels. And I have to confess that whilst I've read the Gospels a few times, I've never really studied the Gospels in that sense. But looking back at some of them, and I was interested particularly in how they ended. And what I've noticed is a few things. In Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 28, the context is we have the Lord Jesus Christ, he's risen, he's given what we would call the Great Commission, where to go out into all the world and make disciples. And what he says to them, he says to the disciples, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. In Mark's Gospel, we have the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen. We have again this Great Commission. And he says to his disciples, these signs will accompany those who believe. We're going to see as we go through Luke, that at the end of Luke, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen. We have this wonderful scene where there's two people on the road called to Emmaus, and they meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And then at the very end of Luke, we have the Lord Jesus Christ ascending into heaven. And you have these wonderful phrases which the people use, did not our hearts burn within us? And then at the very end of Luke's gospel, you read these words, he that the disciples returned with great joy. So what we have at the end of these gospels, can I suggest, is Matthew, we have comfort. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. In Mark, we have power. All right? These signs will accompany those who believe. In Luke, we have joy. Did not our hearts burn within us? And then it says, I return to the city with great joy. Now, John's gospel, really, when you look at John's gospel, you go back to John chapter 20 and you read these words in verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What a great ending to a gospel. It doesn't end there. And this is what I love about John's gospel. If we have comfort in Matthew, power in Mark, joy in Luke, we have restoration in John's gospel. All right? And I absolutely love the fact that we see this restoration of Peter. Because it teaches me that I myself will never outgrow the need for God's grace and mercy. And I think that's the same for each and every one of us. We will never outgrow the need for God's grace and mercy to be shown to us. I prove that, unfortunately, every day of my life. And I think sometimes if we're honest, I think we might do that too also, all of us. So that's why I absolutely love the end of John's Gospel. And that's what I want to look at today. So really, I want to try and get an idea of the context of John chapter 21. We're going to look at the, the conversation 
between the Lord and Peter. And then if we get time, we'll look at how John concludes his gospel. Because there's quite a few conclusions that we see here. So let's notice the context, and in relation to the context, let's look at the immediate context. As I've said before, when we're in John chapter 21, we know the Lord Jesus Christ has risen. He's appeared unto his disciples at least three times, all right? And he's also shown himself to Thomas now. Remember, we have Thomas who would say, I won't, I won't believe until I be able to put my hands and see his nail prints in the hands. And now he's going to the Sea of Galilee, and he goes to meet the disciples for the third time. Particularly, he's going to deal with Peter. He's going to deal with Peter, which really means we have to look at the wider context now of John chapter 21. What's the wider context? Well, can I suggest the passage really stems from John chapter 18, we have what we call the Lord Jesus. Peter denies the Lord Jesus Christ three times. And he does that in the court of the high priest. Now, I can suggest three reasons particularly that why this scene in John chapter 21 relates to the scene where Peter has denied the Lord three times. First one is... We're going to go into Greek, maybe. We'll see. The first one is that if we look at verse um, 9 of John chapter 21, it says this. So when they got out of, on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid. Now, if you look at that Greek word of charcoal fire, if you've got a, one of those phones or you've got the Greek on there, and you search it, the only other time that phrase is used that Greek phrase is used is when there's a fire burning in the place where Peter denied the Lord three times. All right. So there's your first. Uh, there's my first response. Secondly, all right, the amount of times the Lord asked Peter questions. Three times he asked Peter, "Do you love me?" Three times Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. I think there's no coincidence that, that's, that's, um, that we have this here as well. Lastly, maybe you might think I'm stretching with this one, but lastly, um, I think it's particularly interesting that we have Peter's restoration in John's Gospel. Now, you go through John's Gospel, and you go through the Gospels, and what you're going to see is John and Peter worked closely, very closely together. In John chapter 13, you read that it's Peter goes to John and says, Look, can you ask the Lord... Who's going to betray him? All right, you go and ask the Lord who's going to betray him. In John chapter twenty, you read it's Peter and John that are running to the tomb, and Peter outruns John. Or was it no? John outruns Peter. Peter goes into the tomb first. Okay. In John chapter twenty-one, you can see that it's John who's actually following behind Peter and the Lord. Now, my imagination runs wild. I can just imagine John wanting to know, what are they talking about? What are they saying? Why are they saying this? You can almost see John wanting his friend to be restored. Okay, So John's not going to let us leave without knowing that Peter is restored. All right? Yes, he denied three times. He went out and he wept bitterly. But then we come to John chapter 21, and the Lord deals with him in a very real way. And then in verse, chapter 18, verses 15 and 16, it appears to me 
that it's actually John who takes Peter to the high priest court. All right? And it's there we see that Peter, in the high priest court, overestimated himself and underestimated the temptation that was there. All right? Now, we, we know, we can go, we'll look at this later on, but we know that Peter thinks he can face any trial and he will come out triumphantly. And then he's going to find that no, he's going to fail. He's going to fail. So perhaps, just perhaps, John maybe felt concern, maybe even guilt. I don't know. That's me being quite fanciful for his friend and what happened at that high court where Peter denied the Lord three times. And if that is the case, let's just bring an application um, just there. Challenge to me is am I careful not to cause other Christians to stumble. Paul was saying in Romans chapter 14, he says this, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Now there's a challenge. Have I caused, do I cause people to stumble? I know for a fact I have. I can give you a very personal situation where I have caused someone to stumble. And they now no longer go to an assembly. They go, go to anywhere at all. So I, I, I know it's very easy to do something very legitimate and generally not that bad. But what I can handle, what other people can handle is very different things. All right? We have to be very, very careful not to stumble other Christians. That what I can do or what I feel have liberty to do can cause others to stumble. All right? Others to stumble. But I want you to note John chapter 21. It's important that this is a scene of restoration. Peter has not lost his salvation and been resaved. Okay? I know some would teach us that we can lose our salvation because it's all by works if they go to James, but they forget to put James in the context of the whole of God's word. All right? So what we find, this is, a, uh, this is a scene of restoration. I could probably argue to the point, you go all the way through John, and you can see that what actually Peter's doing, Peter's eager to see that the Lord has left his tomb in John chapter 20. Peter's longing to be the Lord. In John chapter 21, in verse 7, he says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. What does Peter do? So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he hid himself. No, it doesn't say that. It said, he said he put his outer garment on and threw himself into the sea. He was desperate to see the Lord. All right. And also remember... The Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 22 about the scene that, Simon, that Peter was going to do. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. That idea of demanding permission, we won't go into it, but wow, you try and follow that through. Never mind. Um, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But listen to what Peter says, and this is where his downfall is. Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, 
the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. All right. So we see but look, Peter is not having to have be re-saved, if that's the phrase, but has to be restored. Okay. Quick application. Notice the Lord in Luke chapter 22 actually intercedes on behalf of Peter. I can take you to Romans chapter 8. And I think we've already mentioned this quite a few times from this uh, platform, that the Lord indeed is interceding on a daily basis for us. Romans 8 verse 34 will teach me that as well. So the context of John chapter 21 causes us actually to think back okay, to Peter denying the Lord Jesus Christ three times and also really forward to Peter's death in which he would glorify God as well. So what does that teach me quickly? Well, it teaches me that failure in my Christian life does not necessarily mean the end of our, my service. Sometimes people will think they failed and that's it. They can't get back to where they should be. They can't go any further. They failed God. But Peter teaches us failure does not mean the end. And if we are willing to be restored, if we are willing to get back to where we should be, we can get back to serving God in the way we should be doing as well. So it's not bleak, all right? When we fail, it's not bleak. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So we've had the context. Let's go to the conversation, okay? I want you to note the timing, Okay, the timing of the conversation. Verse 15, we read that when they had finished breakfast. So the Lord deals with Peter after he's fed Peter. All right. Let's take a practical application. All right. I have once been told off by someone before when I was younger. Not that young, but when I was younger. Okay. What they did was they invited me to their house. We had a meal, we had coffee, and then they threw it at me. They told me off. They told me, John, do you not think that was wrong? All right? That's happened twice to me, okay, by the same person, um, but not the same reason, just a note, not the same reason. All right? So a practical application. If we need to deal with a problem with a fellow believer, why not show them love and hospitality first? Because it shows us we're not doing that out of judgment, we're doing it out of love. The Lord fed Peter before he restored Peter as well. All right? So the timing, the location. I mean, how I read this, it seems to be away from the other disciples. Because if you go to verse 20, Peter had to turn around and to see someone was following him. All right? And see, see John. So, so can I suggest that this was personal it was a personal uh, conversation with between peter and the lord i don't believe they're around the fireplace and everyone was watching uh, i believe the lord and the peter were by themselves okay so therefore it must have been tactful as well now this is actually to me a perfect example of how we are to act when we deal with someone as well if you want a, a, a literature character go back to emma Jane Austen's Emma. If you haven't read Emma, it's a good book. Right? It's, a, it's the best Jane Austen story. Okay? Now you see what happens to Emma. Emma does something quite cruel, and she says something quite cruel to someone. 
And what happens is Mr. Knightley takes her to one side and rebukes her quietly. Can we, I suggest we should be like Mr. Knightley when we do these sorts of things. So the location was a way. So we have the timing, the location. Let's go to the pattern, okay? Now we know from the remoter context, Peter denied the Lord three times, okay? The last time with oaths and swearing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done denied that you were even belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ or were a Christian by oaths and swearing? I have. I have. Um, and the Lord asked Peter three times if he loved him. If he loved him. The third time, unlike just, just in parallel to the third time Peter denied the Lord with oaths and swearing, the third time Peter was grieved. He was sorrowful okay, of what was taking place. So three denials, three confessions of love for the Lord. All right? Well, what do we learn? What do we learn? Let's see what we can, application we can get from this. Well, I believe Peter's experience was probably similar to what we read in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians reads this in chapter 7. It says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, this is Paul writing to them, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I wonder if you could apply that to the reactions of Judas and Peter. Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ he went away and hung himself. Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He went away and wept bitterly. He was grieved. He was grieved. All right. And Peter himself learnt this lesson. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells me this. He says to believers, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we've seen the pattern. Now look at the language. Okay, let's look at the language of the three uh, questions and answers. All right. Notice there's an address. Um, he says, Simon, Peter says, Simon, son of John, or son of Jonas, if you've got a King James Bible. Interesting enough, actually, you go away and look, check this for yourself and make sure I'm right. But when it only seems to be the gospel writers who would address Peter as Peter. Uh, normally, it looks like the Lord seemed to address Peter predominantly as Simon. All right? But there was only a few occasions where the Lord addressed him as Peter. Now, if you can go away and search that for yourself and see why that is, come and let me know what you think as well. Okay? That's right. But he still called him Simon. He still called him Peter. So he renamed to Peter the stone. So that's a go away, check that, come back and tell me what you think. All right. So you know that Peter means rock, don't you? Okay. Peter means rock. Um, something which Peter was not in the high priest's court. But he is in Acts chapter 2. 
Right? You see in Acts chapter 2, he's standing firm, he's standing strong, and he's willing to stand for what he believes. What's the difference? Well, I think he's, he's met Christ again. He's been restored into what he does. All right? And then you look at Simon, a simple reminder, simple thing, it reminds us of who he really was or what he used to be. Sometimes it does me good when I go through the Gospels, when I go through the Bible, to remember I'm just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. It reminds me, when I remember that, I remember that I'm just no better than anyone else at all. all right? I'm no better than anyone else. So we see that it's addressed as Simon. We see there's affection here as well. Look at the Lord. He said, lovest thou me? That's a King James. Love, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Okay. Now twice the Lord asked, do you love me? Check this for yourself, but the word there twice is a word in the Greek which means a, 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 a sacrificial love. Okay. At the highest form of love you can have. It's exactly how Christ loved the church, sacrificially, okay? And it's also how husbands are to love their wives, sacrificially. So the Lord uses that word twice. Peter never replies with that word. He replies with another Greek word, which means fond affection. Three times. Three times. If you were to read commentators on that, some would suggest that Peter... Um, was wrong in the way he responded to the Lord. I don't see that. I see that he is matured in his response. Because when you go through the Gospels and you hear what Luke said, Luke 22, for example, as we read, he said, Lord, I will go with you to prison and to death. He says again in uh, Matthew, um, sorry, he says again uh, in other verses as well, that he says, I will follow you right now. I will lay down my life for you. That's John 13. And in all these expressions, we see an expression of sacrificial love. Okay? But when we get to the high priest's court, he denies the Lord three times. Can I suggest he is matured? I can suggest 